Yo, 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 and welcome back to another episode of the Nick and Griff Show. Today, um, I was reading this morning in uh, the Bitcoin Standard, going back through a couple of pieces in here, and found some interesting stuff on the state of lending. Um, as as uh, Savadina Moose puts it in the Bitcoin Standard, it's in uh, Chapter 6. Um, we'll pull it up here in a second, but it's in Chapter 6, and it's titled Capitalism's Information System. And it's in the section within that chapter titled um, Business Cycles and Financial Crises. So, uh, man, this stuff is really interesting. You know, you talk about the dynamic between um, sound money and unsound money and uh, what those things can create here. But I'm going to pull this sucker up and uh, I got to hear uh, what your thoughts are on this. I'd love to hear your perspectives on Twitter. Um, but I'm going to start here with just a couple of foundational pieces before I read the main section that I want to read. So here he says, in a free market economy with sound money, savers have to defer consumption in order to save. Okay, The exact amount of savings becomes the exact amount of loanable funds available for producers to borrow. Right. So those first two sentences, right, uh, free market uh, actors, right, people have to save um, uh, in order, or they have to defer consumption today to save, right? And how do people save? Typically they save their money in the bank. Um, and what does the bank do with those deposits? Um, those deposits eventually become, uh, the, the amount, uh, of loanable funds available for producers to borrow. Now, obviously, uh, the system that we've got today is a little bit more complex than that. If you're, if you're familiar with, reserve banking. We're going to get into that here in a second, but this is kind of the, the foundational piece, right? In a free market economy with sound money, savers have to defer consumption in order to save with sound money, right? The exact amount of savings becomes the exact amount of loanable funds available for producers to borrow. Okay, next piece. Scarcity is the fundamental starting point of all economics, and its most important implication is the notion that everything has an opportunity cost. Love it. And then uh, a modern economy with a central bank is built on ignoring this. And I've, I've referred back to those couple of pieces before. A modern economy with a central bank is built on ignoring this fundamental trade-off and assuming that banks can finance investment with new money without consumers having to forego consumption. E. So so now we're so now we're already starting to get into a point where we can still spend today and not save for tomorrow, but there's still loanable funds, right? So now we're starting to get into some murky waters. The link between savings and loanable funds is severed to the point where it is not even taught in the economics textbooks anymore, let alone the disastrous consequences of ignoring it. So I'm going to I'm going to jump down here a couple of a couple of paragraphs and pick up uh, right here. So this shortage of capital is not immediately apparent because banks and the central bank can issue enough money for the borrowers. That is, after all, the main perk uh, of using unsound money. I think I read that a little weird. Uh, basically, it's saying here that banks and central banks can issue enough money to cover what people are not saving. Right. And that's the main perk of having unsound money. In an economy with sound money, such manipulation of the price of capital would be impossible. As soon as the interest rate is set artificially low, the shortage in savings at banks 
is reflected in reduced capital available for borrowers, leading to a rise in the interest rate, which reduces demand for loans and rises uh, and rises the supply of savings until the two match. So that's just basic supply and demand with sound money uh, finding equilibrium. Uh, beautiful. It's a beautiful system, right? Let's keep moving. Unsound money makes such manipulation possible. Manipulation is the big word, right? But for only a short while, of course, as reality cannot be deceived forever. Now, here, here's what's really interesting here. So he's going to he's going to explain something here that is that, that feels like such a complex series of events that has to happen for this thing to happen. Uh, but once we get to the very end of it and he notes exactly what it is that he's describing, we're like, oh, this has happened a million times. Right. Listen to this. The artificially low interest rates and the excess printed money deceive the producers into engaging in a production process requiring requiring more capital resources than is actually available. The excess money, backed by no actual deferred consumption, initially makes more producers borrow, operating under the delusion that the money will allow them to buy all the capital goods necessary for their production process. As more and more producers are bidding for fewer capital goods and resources than they expect there to be, the natural outcome is a rise in the price of the capital goods during the production process. This is the point at which the manipulation is exposed, leading to the simultaneous collapse of several capital investments, which suddenly become unprofitable at the new capital good prices. These projects are what Mises, I think is how it's pronounced, termed malinvestments. And those are investments that would not have been undertaken without the distortions in the capital market and whose completion is not possible once the misallocations are exposed. The central bank's intervention in the capital market allows for more projects to be undertaken because of the distortion of prices that causes investors to uh, miscalculate. But the central bank's intervention cannot increase the amount of actual capital available. Okay, so I want to pause here for, for a second. I mean, this is absolutely wild. I mean, with an unsound money system, the banks, the central banks are covering the spread between what is needed, right? What is what is wanted and desired in the market as far as capital, right? We've got all these businesses that want all this, you know, X amount of dollars to go out and produce whatever their product or service is. And the uh, the central banks, well, th the banks are only able to loan, uh, you know, what is it, 10% uh, reserves. So they're able to spend uh, 10 times what what uh, what is actually put in uh, in the bank as far as deposits, right? So the central banks, right? Let's say that people save a uh, hundred dollars, and 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 businesses want. Uh, you know, a million dollars. Well, that hundred dollars deposits is not 10% of the million, right? They have to hold 10% reserves is the system we operate in today. He's not mentioning it here, but um, so what do they do if that amount of money is desired, but they don't have enough reserves to cover that? Well, they create money, 
that's exactly what they do. They create money, they create credit, right? And, uh, and they lend out uh, to whoever those businesses are. Um, and if there's not enough money and reserves and deposits in the banks, the central bank or the bank itself will create credit. Uh, they create those dollars, right? That's absurd. Um, and due to that, he's going to talk about, you know, he talks about here, uh, up here a second ago, where is it at? Okay, so as more and more producers are bidding for fewer capital goods and resources than they expect there to be, the natural outcome is a rise in the price of the capital goods during the production process. So this is this is kind of sounds to me like the idea of you can't have something without giving something, right? You in order to in order to uh, in order to buy something, something that something has to be produced. Um, in order to uh, in order to buy something, uh, you've got to have money, right? Well, what if you don't have money? Well, maybe you can go get a business loan or a personal loan to, to enable you to uh, start that production process. Well, what if the bank doesn't have any money? Well, we just looked at it. that They'll create money. Um, they'll create credit, which in, in turn further increases the supply of money, which uh, assuming a static uh, amount of goods and services – that means we will all naturally expend more money for the same goods and services um, in the market, which is exactly what we're looking at here. So I'll pick up here. So these extra projects are not completed and become an unnecessary waste of capital. The suspension of these projects at the same time causes a rise in unemployment across the economy. Here, here's the kicker, right? Here's the, the piece that we all know. This economy-wide stimulus failure of overextended businesses is what is referred to as a recession. I mean, that is wild, right? I mean, let's just think about this for a second. <clears throat> With sound money, you either spend that money today or you save it for some time in the future, right? Also, on a sound money standard, that money is going to hold its value constant over time. Okay. The deferred consumption today, otherwise known as savings, right? Whatever you save, that is the amount of capital that is available for lending, right? And I think that lending is good. It helps uh, helps stimulate the economy, right? It uh you know, maybe maybe I'm in a position where I've got all the things that I need uh, taken care of and I've got excess money that I want to um, save or or maybe make a return on. Right. Maybe I want to invest it um, with sound money. Whatever I defer consuming and save and or invest is the amount that's available for lending. So then party B, the uh, the business or whoever if they need excess capital to fund a larger project that they are working on, well, they need to go out to the market. They need to find investors. Maybe they need to go to a bank, whatever, whatever that uh, exact uh, thing is, or I guess method is um, all of the amount of deferred consumption is the amount that is available for lending. Okay. So, so that seems to work out. Logically, that seems to work out. If I don't spend it today, I can save it. Okay. And what I save if if the numbers are right, I could go give it to that guy and he's going to pay me back money with interest to use my money today. 
okay, that, that works great. So I get to earn a little return over time and that guy, business, whatever, they get to use that capital to go fund whatever their business is. Great. Unsound money. Right now we, we operate with a 10% fractional reserve banking system, meaning that the bank can, uh, can, let's see. So the bank has to hold 10% of its total deposits. And uh, on, on the opposite side, you know, if looking at it from a different perspective, if you, if you save, if you deposit $100 into a savings account with a bank, they can go out and lend $1,000 on that $100, right? Because that is 10% of your deposit, 10% of, of the loan that's outstanding or the, the lending that's outstanding. Um, and I think that I'm correct here. I think I think that I am. If I'm incorrect, please shoot me a DM on Twitter. Um, it is at Nick and Griff Show on Twitter. Come check us out. Um, the unsound money piece, man, is crazy. How banks are able to basically fill the gap between what's actually saved and what's actually lendable and what's wanted, right? Because if I had if I had ten apples and I had 20 friends and they all wanted an apple. Well, I've only got 10 apples, right? Like I can't, I can't just go just out of nowhere, create apples, right? There, that, there's that proof of work thing, that system, right? We have to, we have to expend some time or, or energy or uh, capital in order to produce something, right? What the central bank would do in that apple example is they would just, they would just, make up 10 more apples out of thin air, and then they would give everybody one apple. There's an issue with that. I don't, I don't know. I don't know exactly the path I would go down to. I mean, that would be a, a real, a real fun thought experiment to do um, with Griff, maybe a guest or so. Um, but you know, what, what are the, what are the real implications of that? Over a long period of time, I mean, it, we're seeing it, right? I mean, we're seeing it right now with inflation, the increased uh, supply of money, um, increasing supply of money, assuming fixed goods and services and or relatively fixed. Um, we're going to pay more money for the things that we always used to buy in the future for less or in the past for less, right? It's wild stuff, but hey, uh, appreciate you guys hopping on here for another quick little episode, quick read of a piece out of the Bitcoin Standard by Safedina Moose. Go check out the book. That is probably one of my uh, one of my favorite books here on not just Bitcoin, but the history of money. I mean, the first like I don't know, sixty percent of the book is like history of money and kind of where where we started. You know, it talks about the barter system, where where the where the money started and what has happened up to where we're at today. Um, it's an incredible book. Uh, at this point, it's it's kind of old news. Every, just about everybody's read it. Uh, but if you have not read it, go check it out for sure. Um, he's also got some really good uh, debates and presentations on YouTube. If you're a YouTube university kind of person like myself. Um, so go check those out on YouTube. Go check out the book. Um, it is, again, the Bitcoin Standard by Saifedina Moose. Um, today is April 15th. It's Good Friday here. It's 9.41 a.m. Not working today. So wanted to hop on here today and uh, share with you a little bit about what I've been reading here recently. So 
I hope you guys are having a great week. Hope you have a great weekend. And uh, hey, we've got a great episode coming up tomorrow. And uh, I'm excited about it. So stay tuned for a good conversation on mining. We may get into some science fiction um, based on previous conversations that I've had with our guest. Um, so I'm excited about that. But um, like we always say, so this side, no, this side, hit us on Twitter uh, at Nick and Griff Show. You can watch us on YouTube as well. If you're not watching on YouTube right now, um, we are also on Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, all of those deals. Um, so come check us out. Uh, appreciate you guys listening, and I hope you have a great rest of your day.